Hello, welcome to Two Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Hi, dear friends. I have such an interesting episode for you this week with Ira Pastor, CEO of BioQuark, a regenerative healthcare company focused on the regeneration and repair of complex human organs and tissues. Ira also worked in pharmaceuticals for over 30 years, giving him great insight to what the trillion-dollar industry does and does not do. We talk about what BioQuark is trying to accomplish, what kind of technologies the company uses, and Ira's take on some of the ways we can combat, combat degenerative diseases before they affect us. The weekly challenge is to switch it up, your diet, your supplements, and your exercise routine. Shake it around. We talk about the power of randomness and different ideas for how to accomplish this. I know I need help with how to accomplish this. Follow me on Instagram at Jackie for weekly challenge updates. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes. Follow me at TooSickAndNaked.com and join our Healing Out Loud Facebook group. Feel free to contact me for coaching. And this week, I want to give a special thanks to Nada Casey for a great review on iTunes and for all of her support of this podcast, as well as Liz Sticks for her review on iTunes. Thank you, Liz, and I hope you feel better. Okay, now this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Your host, Jackie Shea, here. Today, I have a very exciting uh, guest and episode. I'm with Ira Pastor, the CEO of BioQuark, a regenerative healthcare company focused on developing propriety natural biopharmaceuticals and consumer healthcare products targeting the regeneration and repair of complex human organs and tissues. Ira is also a 30 plus year veteran of the traditional pharmaceutical uh, industry and left that comfortable industry to start this current business due to the fact that in spite of generating close to $1 trillion annually, his former industry was incapable of generating any cures for the chronic diseases responsible for the majority of human degeneration, suffering, and death. Ira, hi. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I am so, so pumped about all the things that um, I learned researching what you do and that I'm going to learn and talking to you and what you can share with with our audience. Um, So first, will you just uh, tell us a little bit about what a degenerative disease is? Sure. So... Uh, you know, thinking about the um, sort of the total uh, basket of diseases that we spend, you know, seven trillion dollars around the world on nowadays, um, they either have one of two things: either an underlying cellular damage component, where cells are uh, affected uh, genetically, epigenetically, in some fashion, where they just don't function right anymore. So in that basket fall your autoimmune disorders, your cancer, your chronic inflammation and pain, fibrosis disorders. And on the other hand, you have those diseases where there is cellular degeneration occurring, where the cells are dying based on some pathology and not coming back. So into those baskets fall your Alzheimer's disease, your congestive heart failure, Parkinson's, type 1 diabetes, and so forth. So when we talk about cellular degeneration, we are talking about the degeneration and death of all tissues that make up the critical organs uh, and tissues that keep us going on 
a daily basis. So that's your brain, that's your heart, your liver, kidneys, pancreas, and so forth. Right. And so other species are able to regenerate on their own, right? Like lizards or amphibians, they will grow back their spinal cord or their tails or limbs or whatever it might be. Can you talk a little bit about other species that regenerate in this way? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, you know, we occupy this planet with many organisms that are very far advanced uh, than humans are in terms of these capabilities. So, as you mentioned, yes, I mean, most people are very familiar with uh, how members of the amphibian kingdom can replace lost or damaged organs and tissues that are identical in both their structure and their function to the original ones. So, obviously, everyone's pretty much aware of these are the, uh, the, the, the tail of the salamander and its spinal cord. Uh, they are capable of regenerating entire limbs. They are capable of regenerating eyeballs, parts of their heart, and even large segments of their brains can, in essence, be chopped out and they regrow and come back. Um, what is a little less well-known, however, and this is equally exciting, but many of these same species that have a, you know, this fascinating regenerative capability also have amazing skills for reversing cellular damage. So, you know, I like to give the example of cancer. Um, everything on this planet, from humans on down, gets cancer at some point. But how many of these lower regenerative organisms deal with a disease like cancer is just so different than you and I. Uh, while humans, you know, blast away at it with, with chemo and radiation and all sorts of other tools, and we still lose 8 million people a year, um, lower organisms don't focus on killing cancer at all. They just let it turn it back into normal, healthy tissue. And so there's some very interesting parallels, not only what we can learn from regenerative organisms and how they grow stuff back, but also how they just like to get rid of disease that normally would kill us, but that they, you know, treat, they treat it like a common cold and get rid of it. Wow. So do you think that there's some point or is there some point scientifically in, in our deep, deep past where we were able to do that as a species or no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one only needs to look um, at developing human embryos and fetuses nowadays. I mean, when you, when you look at that, you see, yes, we possess webs, you know, feet and hands. We had a tail. We had gills when we were inside our mothers. Um, we have, you know, we are human. Uh, we are uh, human beings, yet we possess the evolutionary path of all species that came before us. And so, absolutely, it's a matter of uh, reawakening these capabilities in humans. Now, we do, I like to point out, possess it in one period of time, and that is when we are first created. So at the point at which, you know, our mother and father made us and, and we were fertilized, uh, we had some incredible, what we'll call superpowers. Anyway, our age was reset to age zero, uh, and we were granted all, you know, perfect form and function, and we were not born, you, I, anyone listening, when we were, we were born, we were not born with Alzheimer's disease and, and, and things of this nature. That doesn't happen. And so the skill for, in essence, turning back time and starting over with a clean plate is present in humans. It's only present very early for a short period of time. Our goal has been to figure out, okay, how do we 
uh, move a little bit beyond us as an embryo and sort of reestablish and reawaken these capabilities um, throughout our lifetime. And, and we think the possibilities are definitely there. Right. This is so, so fascinating. So what you were in the pharmaceutical industry for 30 plus years. What is it that I know that what part of what turned you off is that you weren't curing that the pharmaceutical industry was not curing any of these degenerative diseases. Right. And and did you notice in the time that you were doing that work that that illness was on the rise and that more the, the industry was gaining more and more? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a very perverse situation because, you know, as mentioned, a trillion dollars flows through the pharmaceutical industry nowadays on a global basis. A trillion. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing number when you think about it. Every year they spend $200 billion on new R&D. Yet what was happening in my 30 years was what? You were seeing basically a rise in the prevalence of all chronic degenerative diseases responsible for human suffering and death, as well as an incredible growth in the aging of the population. We weren't impacting anything, yet you know, we were very happy generating revenue on so-called treatments, things that affected what we'll call disease output or symptoms. You know, that trillion dollars, strangely enough, is made up of just a handful of things. It's basically made up of small drugs that affect inflammation and immune response and fibrosis and thrombosis and cell proliferation, but none of that has anything to do with disease. Those are just symptoms that something is wrong. Disease comes beforehand, and the biologic changes that occur throughout a lifetime. Alzheimer's just doesn't happen out of the blue, okay? Cancer doesn't happen out of the blue. It starts a long period before you manifest the disease. And so I realized, yeah, yeah, I watched my grandparents die. I watched my parents die of these horrible diseases. Sitting there in industry generating a trillion dollars, something is out of Right. So, I mean, that's such a chain. That's such um, an inspiration point to say, I want to find a way to have cures for these diseases, not just manage the symptoms, which, by the way, as a person who had Lyme disease, that was a lot of people were throwing ways to manage symptoms at me. And I said, no, 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 I don't want any of that. I want to rid myself of it (laughs) and um, and repair my body. And I I was very effective in doing that. But um, the normal doctors I was going to just wanted to put me on steroids and things like Lyrica and um, painkillers and which obviously, you know, we're in this opioid epidemic and all sorts of things. So I love I love that you that you took that leap. Was it I mean, was it a scary decision to make? Um, Not really, because uh, I had enough experience to understand where the mistakes were being made. Um, and they're, they're pretty general mistakes. Uh, and, and unfortunately, they're promulgated throughout the industry and uh, sort of the healthcare system. Basically, this, you know, this concept that, you know, if you can break down, we'll call it, it's called reductionism, but if we can break down disease to these really small levels, looking at genes, uh, looking at proteins, 
That's all we have to care about. But it's not the truth. The truth is genes, as an example, which are so exciting. You you read about a new gene every day in the press, Human Genome Project, 23andMe, and all this business. Genes don't do anything, okay? They just hold little bits of information. A gene can't make you, it can't make me, it can't make an alligator, a frog, a tree. It is just a little piece of information on how to make, ultimately, a protein. What is more important is everything that comes beforehand. What turns those genes on and off and why? Uh, What decides to put a left arm on the left side of my body and not an eyeball, as an example? These are the real important pieces of how we form, how we're structured, and ultimately why we are healthy and why we are diseased. And if we can work what we call upstream from the genes and the proteins, and really understand the global process that goes on and why we are, you know, why we get Alzheimer's, why we get cancer, why these things happen, we have a chance in turning them back. And so, no, it's not a very, it's definitely, obviously, it's a very scary thing. It's a risky business to be in biotech. I mean, obviously, everyone's pretty much well aware. It takes billions of dollars to get this stuff done, and there's all sorts of pitfalls. But at the end of the day, I've been there. I've seen the pitfalls. I know those risks. Um, I'm willing to take a, I'm willing to take a chance. I'm not excited by, you know, apps on my phone. <laughs> There's enough of that stuff. Um, right. I, I'm committed and passionate about doing this other thing, which, in my opinion, is that if we can solve it, which I believe we can, really changes the future for most of humanity. Right. So what are some of the what are some of the technologies you've developed? I know that you had a study in 2016, right, on traumatic brain injury reversal. Is that right? Yeah, we're active in several different areas. We're we're very active in the central nervous system uh, of all types, both spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So we're very focused on how we can repair and regenerate the central nervous system. The technologies that we use to get there, though, um, are rather crude. Let's, uh, let's just say they're, they're no, we are not a genetic engineering company. Uh, we're not doing any of this really high-end tissue engineering. You, know, you read about in the press nowadays, it costs $2 million a shot in all this business. We're focused on very traditional biologic technology uh, from the 20th century, uh, proteins, things like insulin and streptokinase and vaccines and things of this nature. So this is where the types of products we are developing on the drug side. But ultimately, focusing on a slightly different output, instead of looking at the symptoms, figuring out what proteins, what peptides, what other substances are required to, in essence, turn back time in a cell and start that cell over again. So whether that cell is damaged with uh, the damage that would lead to Alzheimer's or the damage that would lead to pancreatic cancer, as an example. What can we erase in that cell to clean it up, start it over again? Because at the end of the day, there's not a lot of difference between a normal cell and a cancer cell. There's little changes that have occurred, but instead of blasting it away out of existence, can we just erase it and start over? And it makes a lot more sort of holistic sense than some of these other approaches. So in the case of something like Alzheimer's, what are we looking to do? Uh, We are looking to, obviously, number one, in later stage patients, we are looking to 
regenerate the tissue that is gone because of the severe destruction that occurs in the central nervous system of someone with Alzheimer's. At the same time, we're not just interested in the late stage. We know that much happens before one manifests late-stage Alzheimer's. There's a severe inflammatory component to the disease. There is a severe metabolic component. I mean, a lot of people are now classifying Alzheimer's disease as a form of diabetes. So we are very interested in not just regeneration, as we spoke at the end, but also repair of cells, uh, how we can clean up those cells from hyperimmune response or a, uh, a modified or insignificant metabolic response so we can start those neurons over again in a healthy state as they first were when we came into this world. That, we believe, is the ultimate strategy and goal that will get us there. Not, you know, what pharma companies like to do. You know, once you're 25 years down the road, when you don't remember your wife's name anymore, you don't remember your kids, trying to give you a couple extra months of of that. That's not acceptable to us. We want to clean up and restart the system and give you a fresh new brain, fresh new spinal cord, fresh new heart. That's the ultimate goal. It sounds um, like a dream. It sounds like an absolute dream, and I am fully behind you, and I hope that this continues on and, and becomes very successful. What are what are some of the components? So you said you mentioned peptides. Peptides are kind of a buzzword right now, I've noticed. Um, sure. So, I mean, peptides uh, are in essence a... Um, short chains of amino acids. So, if, you know, going back to sort of protein chemistry 101, we have amino acids, uh, which are linked together in long chains to form the proteins uh, that make us human. So, within our bodies right now, uh, in, in all of us, you, me, everyone listening, we have about 25,000 different types of proteins uh, that working together in synergy and with all the signals and so forth that uh, they experience, ultimately make us human. Peptides are just short proteins in essence, uh, short chains of amino acids that have some functionality. Um, so, yes, we are interested in peptides, proteins, which are obviously longer versions of these molecules, but also other substances that we typically find in cells, like microRNAs, which are these small um non-coding types of uh, nucleic acids, which ultimately enhance or shut down uh, how protein functions. But ultimately, the main message is at the end of the day is that we are not interested in affecting the genome. Uh, we're not interested in genetically engineering you or, you know, taking genes from a salamander and putting them into you to give you salamander power. We have those salamander abilities is the point. And we need to know and study how do we turn that gene on that increases the length of the spinal cord and, and, and causes it to regrow? And then at what point and with what substances do we turn off that gene? And that, we think, makes a lot more sense because it makes more sense from a, uh, just a scientific perspective, but at the same point from an economics perspective. Because at the end of the day, when you look at some of these prices for the, you know, the gene editing and genetic engineering tools, you know, a million dollars, a million and a half dollars, you, you can't create therapies like this that only 2,000 people on Earth could afford. 
regeneration, repair, it affects all 7 billion of us on this planet. So we need, as we say, we, we, we have a 21st century perspective, but we're using 20th century biology tools. Now, are you... Yeah, we are, we are active across the board. We've done some, so we have some early clinical work going on in the area of spinal cord injury. Um, but a lot of what we're doing still is, you know, in so-called preclinical development where we work with uh, large animal models and so forth. So, you know, because we have um, kind of a wide purview, being that most diseases are either repair or regeneration requirements, we can't work on everything right now. Uh, but we are looking at uh, those uh, that we can begin to generate sort of phase one proof of principle working. Uh, and at the same time, looking for the other opportunities, the orphan drug diseases, uh, the ones that are fast track, the one are of critical unmet medical need that may be able to move through clinical development a little faster in regulators. So, um, yeah, we're beginning to get our foot wet on the clinical front. Uh, at the same time, still very active in the lab. Right. Okay. And did something, what came of your study with the traumatic brain injury patients? I know that was quite heavily reported on. Did, did anything come of it? Uh, that, oh, you're speaking about the Reanima project. I mean, that is ongoing. That's, that's a slightly different um, project because um, that involves a unique area of research uh, known as living cadaver uh, studies. Um, that is slowly but surely happening. Um, a lot of there's a lot of different, uh, let's just say, dynamics that you have to go through in recruiting for something like that versus a you know Alzheimer's or a cancer study. Uh, that is ongoing, but we we do not have anything yet to report. But that's um, a very unique area because um, you know even though we lose 100,000 people a day to sort of chronic degenerative diseases, we lose 50,000 a day to the fact that we our central nervous system, the higher brain is destroyed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that generated a lot of excitement, I think, more on the, the Hollywood uh, sort of zombie hype. Mm -hmm. But um, there, there's a real purpose behind it because uh, living cadaver research is something that, um, you know, although not as sexy sounding as other, other areas of research, uh, it has gone on for the last 30 years to study um, uh, substances and drugs and so forth that are, just not studied in the living, um, and um, we thought, what better way to sort of connect what we're interested in doing, especially with the fact that there's many species whose brains die and are brought back to life just by regrowing their brain, how we can ultimately translate that to humans. So uh, that's still a little bit out, but uh, it's still going on. Right. Well, it's super, it's so, it's so hopeful and promising and interesting. Um, so you mentioned that these diseases, they, they come, they don't just come out of nowhere, right? Um, so what are some of the things we can be doing, uh, to protect ourselves from falling to such massive degenerative disease? Well, I mean, a, f a few very important things. Um, number one, uh, I, I just, I have to put this out there because it's extremely important that, um, all of us. Uh, remember something we spoke about earlier on. Um, we understand that we are human and that we live, eat, drink, and so forth as a human. Um, while, you know, you and I are not um, tigers, we do not need high blood sugar levels to chase after prey. Um, and while tigers might, 
we do not need five cans of Coca-Cola and, and five Twinkies and all this business. Um, at the same time, you know, we're not snakes. Uh, we don't need a high amount of inflammation in our system to destroy germs. We have a different type of immune system. Uh, so we don't need extended levels of inflammation. It is very important to remember that everything that kills us benefits other species. But we are not those other species, and we need to live and adjust accordingly to that. Um, a little more importantly, though, um, we, we were discussing beforehand the importance in a daily life of avoiding sort of what so what we refer to in the pharmaceutical industry as a sort of a single magic bullet lifestyle. Um, the human body, all, all of nature, is about randomness. Uh, it's about low levels of fluctuations, low levels of stresses that our body needs to adjust to. Uh, you do not eat the same thing every day. You do not do the same workout every day. And what we are finding out in the literature most recently is you know, taking the same drug every day, you know, 10 milligrams of X for the next 40 years, doesn't make a lot of sense either. The body thrives on randomness. And so as much as possible, I like to try to bring forms of randomness into my life and to allow my body to adjust. That may be, you know, uh, working out with heavy weights one day, but focusing on cardio the next day, allowing your body to adjust to different... Because ultimately, uh, this is what a cell is very good at, sort of this maintenance of homeostasis based on all the external and internal signals that it gets. But unfortunately, too often in our lifetime, we think, you know, all right, I have to do this thing, or I have to take a certain amount of vitamins every day, the same amount for the next 30 years. No, it's not as simple as that. And so as much as possible, try to work with that varying diet, varying exercise, varying doses of dietary supplements that you may take, um, even low amounts of stresses, not always bad. Large amounts of stress, not good, but never get stale and never get used to a typical routine because uh, nature has shown us all around the world in all forms. Standardization of that form is not Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It Okay, so everything you just described, living in, in more of this randomness, is, is the weekly challenge this week, and I think it's so it's so good. It's so good for somebody like me, actually. One of my favorite integrative uh, doctors, medical doctors in New York told me this, you know, a year ago. I was tell I was saying, is it okay that I have, um, I don't remember what I was asking about. I think I said, is it okay that I have a little bit of goat dairy? And he said, yes, just not every day. Whatever you have, 
have it every other day or every few days. You have to switch it up. You have to you have to switch up your your food and your vitamins and your supplements and your exercise. Exactly what you're saying, Ira. So, what can a person? What should a person like me be doing? Like I eat avocado every day. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I I definitely have this quote unquote limited diet where I feel like when I find something delicious. I just want to eat it every day. Um, so I guess w- what are some of the ways you you learn to switch it up beyond the exercise, which I think is great. It's like I try to switch it up between hiking and yoga and, you know, ballet class. I, I can do that. But with food and with supplements, should should it just be an every other day thing or should there be long bouts of, of quiet? I don't usually deprive myself as much, but I, I typically run along those uh, those lines. I, I try to find other avocados. <laughs> so uh-huh. I like avocados too. But I like to, uh, you know, before I was doing what I'm doing now, I was involved for about 10 plus years in the, in the sort of phytomedicine industry. And I developed this extreme appreciation for um, natural products. And, and not, you know, anything, nothing exotic, you know, from the rainforest, but just the common, inexpensive natural products that we find in our homes uh, on a daily basis. So things like cinnamon uh, for blood sugar control or turmeric for inflammation or celery seed for blood pressure and so forth. The point is, interestingly enough, um, there's, as an example, 300,000 different plant species on this planet, a very small amount that, you know, <laughs> we ever come in contact with. But, you know, if you go to your Whole Foods or, uh, or what have you nowadays, you'll find, you know, dozens of very interesting uh, spices and, and other sort of inexpensive natural products that are very powerfully pharmacologically active and do important things for us. And so one thing I do, I fluctuate these. I, you know, I know that, you know, um, cinnamon uh, is not the only novel natural spice that is good at, at uh, blood sugar control. Uh, cloves are very good for it, too. A cardamom is very good for it. I find that I have, uh, you know, I, I, I fluctuate these things. Not take the same thing every day. Um, every now and then, and I, don't, I do not suggest this. I do it at night. I, um, okay, I take a blood pressure pill every day. I had it slightly elevated to solid blood pressure since I was around 30. I don't always take it. I take it most of the time, but every now and then, just like what you know you were saying with the uh, the dairy, every now and then I skip a dose, just to allow the receptors in my kidneys, which are getting banged away every day, a little time to sort of readjust to that. Mm. I'm, not su- I'm not suggesting people come off their blood pressure medication or anything <laughs> like that, but I, I I try to work this in because you know just like you know you I don't know if you have glasses, I have glasses. What do they tell you when you don't wear your glasses constantly, right? It's just making your eyes weaker. Take them off. <laughs> Allow your eyes to adjust. Um, these hormesis responses are extremely important, I feel. And I feel better when I, uh, when I do them. Right. Yes, that's so interesting. Do you know who Wim Hof is? I know that name. He, he, he believes in extremes. So he really believes that we should put ourselves in like extreme cold temperatures and extreme warm temperatures so that something about, and I'm t- probably butchering this, but something about how our bodies cannot um, become complacent, that it's very bad for our bodies to become complacent, which is something you were saying. Right. I mean, there, there's a, a beautiful example of hormesis. I do the same thing. I'll, I'll uh, hit the sauna. 
Um, and I don't do it every day, but there is a benefit in sort of stimulating that so-called heat shock response in our bodies every now and then. Same thing for cold shock. Uh, and then there's the, you know, I, I do some oddball stuff too. I mean, one of the things that affects all of us, we don't think about it, but for our, you know, our few, several dozen decades here, you know, we are constantly being pulled down, okay, mm-hmm. by gravity, the most powerful force in the universe. It's constantly pulling us in one direction, and it's not just pulling us. It's pulling our bones. It's pulling our organs. It's pulling our veins and our arteries and blood cells. Um, there is some benefit. To, you know, you see those inversion benches on TV every now and then. Um, sometimes I just like hang upside down for five minutes at the gym on the sit-up bar. Yeah. And I really feel good uh, going in the opposite direction. I know, you know I'm not going to be upside down the rest of my life, but even something as little as that. We're, you know, we're so we never really think about it, but this extremely powerful cosmic force is always going one way. Um, yeah, so upside down, and I really feel good. Yes, <laughs> so, no, yeah, I, I, I think do that's understand so that. Yeah. It's so important, and that's part of in in yoga. They call those like in, inversions, right? So you you put your feet above your head, you let your blood flow in a different direction, and it does. It feels so good to do right. that. It feels very cleansing. Um, so I love that. Um, you mentioned l- liking, you know, kind of wellness and and health and. Uh, I saw, I noticed that you have a, a health and wellness part of a section of uh, BioQuark and you work with a forest organics. Yep, absolutely. So what, what, kind of, what kind of product do you create with them? They're focusing on sort of the non-pharmaceutical skincare or sort of cosmetic applications because um, you know, as much as we are bio, you know, a biologics company and focused on the, the big diseases, uh, at the end of the day, Everything we are looking at has to do with, in essence, turning back time and starting over, going from B back to state A. Uh, and needless to say, there's a, a very big market out there, people that want to also look uh, externally uh, younger. And, you know, the skin is something that we don't think of as much. I mean, we typically think of it as a barrier, uh, but it is truly the largest organ that we all possess. Uh, it has miles and miles of blood, uh, of veins and arteries and neurons and billions of pores and corpuscles. It is an active, vital biomembrane and organ of our bodies. And we need to keep it healthy just like the rest of us because, you know, not only do the things that uh, affect the outside of us affect appearance, but all of it trickles down to everything below. Uh, and so we are interested in... Uh, not just the sort of the beautification and the cosmetic application, but also how we can go in both directions. Because not only do uh, the sort of the external uh, environment impact uh, the outside, but a lot of the changes that are occurring underneath the skin also trickle up. Uh, and so we are active and in, in, in really interested in studying and creating products for both parts of that dynamic. Because uh, beauty is more than just skin. <laughs> Right. Right. And of course, whatever products we use in our skin get absorbed into our bodies. Right. So what are some of the what are some of the safe products we can be using on our skin? I mean, I use I definitely use all natural products, a lot of calendula and peptides and collagen. Um, What are some of the products you put uh, in your in what you sell? Well, we're working with, um, once again, a, a, an interesting 
we're taking the uh, the natural peptides that we have been studying on the pharmaceutical side, uh, and we are combining them uh, with uh, moisturizers, with some natural, but uh, some phytochemicals, nothing overly exotic, you know, very typical uh, substances that. Uh, things like green tea and so forth that have natural protease activity, which help protect uh, the peptides while they're on the skin, their transition. Um, and then, of course, you know, just very typical uh, moisturizing sort of natural oils um, because, you know, moisturization, although it seems like a very, very generic uh, term, um, is so extremely important uh, just due to the very nature of the fact that we are... 90 some odd percent or 70 some odd percent water, but uh, you know, the skin being a, a major barrier uh, to that dynamic. So, um, not doing anything overly exotic, obviously, the, the, the turning back of time and that component is rather unique and that's proprietary to, uh, to the core research that we do. But the rest of it is pretty standard and um, uh, based on common sort of dermatological thinking for the last 50 years of what the critical pieces are to keep your skin flexible, right. unwrinkled, and, and away from sort of the damaging events that occur uh, being outside during a lifetime. Right. But you think also on that same note that we should keep that stuff kind of random too. Should we switch up the products we're using in our in our beauty routines? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, once again, the skin is an organ. Uh, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it sounds kind of joke. It's, it's not a joke. I mean, it's a serious organ, and uh, just like it's a it's a membrane, yes, but just like any other membrane in our body, whether it's you know a membrane, a blood-brain barrier around the brain, or whether it's the membrane around the fifty trillion cells that make up our bodies, when the membrane is destroyed, inside the stuff dies. And so it's so extremely important. And yes, randomness is extremely important on that front too. I do not, you know, for instance, recommend randomness in terms of things like uh, ultraviolet, like you know, defense. Uh, I, I would not say, you know, put on a 50 SPF one day and then wear nothing in the sun. But definitely, um, there are there, there's benefits to the sunlight. Right. Uh, there's benefit to the, the lunar cycles and the solar cycles that affect us. Once again, we don't always think about that are beyond just the UV light, but um, definitely um, all of the above. Great. Um, and um, yes, I mean, I, it, the answer to that is definitely yes. Okay. It's very important. I love that. Awesome. And then I'm going to ask you maybe a controversial question. I don't know, but I'm super interested in what your response is because you worked in the pharmaceutical industry for 30 sure. years. Um what do you think of antibiotics and how much I, I personally think we overprescribe them and I became a person that was antibiotic resistant and got much sicker on them. But, but what do you think? Um, antibiotics are um, one of the, it's, it's one of the areas I point to, although people would argue, you know, it's the one true cure that the pharmaceutical industry ever technically invented. Although people argue that, well, it doesn't really cure you. It just decreases the amount of, microbial burden in your body so your natural immune system can take care of it. Either way, um, they're very useful tools when used appropriately. 
Uh, we definitely overprescribe the hell out of them, and you know all these you know, the millions of prescriptions that are written every year for antibiotics when you have a viral infection are completely useless. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are. Um, let's just say um, we are coming to a point, and, and I guess you are a case study in this uh, that um, this is one area that pharma has you know dumped. I would say in recent years and most. Can't think off the top of my head of any major drug companies doing antibiotic research, uh, but we're going to have problems. Mm. And if you, you know, if you've already experienced drug resistance um, of some nature, there you go. So definitely, you know, there are, they came from natural products, which I'm a big fan of. Um, Right, they, they were created from like mold, right? They came from molds and 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 pond scums and all different types of yeah. Because what knows how to what knows how to kill bacteria the best? Other bacteria mm-hmm. and other microbes. They've been around for billions of years. They know how to survive pretty well. So they're very good at making novel natural products to do that. As long as we use them right, they're great. If we overuse them, they can be horrific and. I think more companies should be researching um, them just due to the fact that no one's doing it anymore. And if we come to a point where uh, everything is evolving past them, uh, remember, we've only had antibiotics for the last hundred years. Microbes have been around for three billion. So mm-hmm. we probably need to focus a little more energy there. Uh, right. It's just not what we, it, what we do as a company, unfortunately. But yeah, definitely others should be focusing there. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your, for your opinion or, or your knowledge on that. And then as we wrap up, I just, I would love for you, I would love to do a little fun fact about you, which is that you, you, um, you're a comic book nerd, a super superhero nerd a little bit, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And that, and that plays into what you do today. Will you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up a major fan of uh, Marvel, of course, not DC, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, a big fan of um, people or, or characters who can regenerate, like the Wolverine, or characters like Deadpool that uh, can't get cancer, or the ones that uh, you know defy the laws of physics, like the Silver Surfer. And, um, I'm a big fan of that, and ever since a child, I, I love him. Just like the salamander regenerating and the planarian who can get rid of cancer and some of these species that we live with here that don't die or die and are reborn, um, I always was intrigued and I want to know, you know, can we become superheroes too? And until this day, I, uh, I read comic books. I read them with my sons and I, my daughter just <laughs> got involved with this. She likes Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I, Wonder Woman was pretty cool too. <laughs> but um, why not? I mean, why not? The, we, we, we write these stories, or Marvel and DC write these stories from our childhood about these future possibilities. Um, yeah, I, I would love to create these uh, abilities in humans. So not the bad guys. Right. <laughs> so do you just, of course, of course. So do you just have a ton of fun with what you're doing? Um, after, we, after, we solve the, after we solve the big problems of human disease, uh, then we can have a little more fun and do things like uh, human cryptobiosis and figuring out how we can hibernate for a few years, always take a trip to Jupiter, or uh, how we make ourselves uh, uh, invulnerable to uh, radiation 
and other fun things like that. Um, but definitely, there, there, there's no limit as long as we do things the right way. Amazing. Amazing. It's so inspiring and so exciting, and I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. I will link to all of your to all of your pages, your website, and all of that, but is there any other way that you want to put out for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're, we say come to the website, uh, visit us, uh, reach out, contact us directly. Uh, we love to talk about what we do. Um, we're very passionate about it and um, love to share the story. So, Awesome, Ira. Uh, awesome, Ira. It was so great to talk to you, and thank you so much for coming on and doing an episode and, and teaching us all so many things. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'll, I'll love to come back in the future. Thanks so much for listening to the Too Sick and Naked podcast, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram and follow me at TooSickAndNaked.com if you want some more wellness gems. You can also join the Healing Out Loud Facebook group. Find me on there and absolutely join if you are interested in healing out loud with some of your fellows. If you are interested in my coaching services, you can write to me via email and write to me with any other questions, concerns, comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you always. Have an amazing week, my beautiful friends, my Healing Out Loud tribe. Can't wait to give you more wellness gems and tips next week, and I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week. All right, see you next time.